We are studying the understanding the heart. Uh, today we'll be completing uh, this portion, that's understanding the heart. We have seen eight points. Today we will see the ninth one. The ninth one is inside and outside. What is inside and outside? You know, because in Proverbs 26, 23 to 25, it says, like a coating of silver dross on earthenware, are fervent lips with an evil heart. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts, they harbor deceit. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them for seven abominations fill their hearts. You know, basically he's talking about, you know, when you try to extract silver from the ore, what happens is they separate silver, oxygen, and lead, but the lead monoxide, that's a waste. And uh, that is, that is uh, just separated you know, as a waste. It's collected as a waste because it has got the glaze, it has got the shining property. It is used uh, to coat, uh, especially the ceramics and all. So here the wise man says, like a coating of silver draws on earthenware. Uh, we all know earthen pots have no, not much of value. And you coat silver draws on it. It will appear as though it is silver, but it is not silver. From outside, you know, we can be mistaken that it is a silver pot, but it will not be a silver pot. So he says he's comparing that like a coating of silver draws on earthenware, uh, you know, it's the image of the vessel that looks like pure silver. Uh, you will not be able to make out unless you go touch and see that. Otherwise from a distance, uh, it'll, it's like a pure silver vessel. And he says, it is, you know, it's the, it's the wicked people who use their lips with an evil heart. And he says enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts, they harbor deceit. Uh, though their speech is charming, do not believe them for seven abominations uh, fill their hearts. I don't know, I'm sure all of us can at least recollect an incident. We were just we were cheated, we were deceived because somebody spoke so nicely and we thought it's all true. And um, then later on we realized, my goodness, how, how did they ever believe this man? How did they believe this person? Uh, I'm sure that, you know, enemies disguise themselves with their lips. They speak so smoothly, sweetly. Uh, we, if you are not careful, we will be deceived. And that's what he says, like a coating of silver dross on earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Uh, you know, the, the comparison of smooth lips to silver dross, as I said, it is just, uh, it is shining as silver, but it is purely a waste, waste material that 
flattery is as deceptive when people just praise you and it is as cheap and worthless as what appears to be expensive looking shining silver but in fact is nothing more than lead oxide a cheap dross it's a waste uh, so we have to be careful uh, how we act so the verses 24 and 25 it just shows how the enemy conceals it's his mode how he conceals his heart you know he has deceit heart of heart is not a good person heart of heart is is manipulating is deceiving is he is just formulating a plan to deceive us and uh, but he uses his mode of communication to deceive others uh, basically it's once we uh, look at this verse as though it's the wicked person who does that uh, we will not be able to um, learn much from this verse uh, there are times when we speak heart of heart we know that it is not true our heart of heart we have something else and we cover it up and we speak something else uh, that's basically known as wearing a mask that's uh, in psychology they'll say you wear a mask we wear a mask we are not real self but we try to do that so when it is to deceive others it becomes all the more serious just with the intention of deceiving others when we do that it is all the more serious so the bible says do not trust him or do not rely on him for your future well being don't go by the advice of people who always praise you it's good to have friends who can uh, speak to your face who can criticize you who can say i don't think it's right but if you always have friends who who always go with you i think um, we should be careful when it comes to listening to their advice so the godly people must make a judgment about the trustworthiness of a person's character and the truthfulness of his words um we have to be careful whose advice i'm doing something based on whose advice uh i'm investing something based on whose advice i am buying this on whose advice i'm getting into a relationship based on whose advice so we need to evaluate and we need to be careful so the godly people will always make a judgment they'll just not fall into it uh but they'll be careful and when he says the seven abominations it is basically to say that you know evil is on full display seven itself is that completeness so seven abomination fills their hearts means it's is the, the heart is filled with wickedness so we should be uh we should be careful that's what it says seven abomination basically you know jesus said um in matthew 12:45 then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits 
it is not exactly seven, it's, it's a completeness. Yeah, the heart will be filled completely with wickedness, more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That's how it will be with this wicked generation. So what is, what is the answer to this? The answer to this is we need to grow more in godly wisdom. The more we grow in godly wisdom, we'll be careful. At least godly wisdom will help us uh, not to fall into this trap. It, it's, a, it's like a check. Godly wisdom you know, makes us to think. Don't you think um, you should not follow this instruction immediately? It puts a check. Don't you think you have to check once again? So it's the godly wisdom. The more and more we grow in godly wisdom, uh, we will not just jump into conclusion. And the world always has, an, um, has the ability uh, to give us offers like this. When we say wickedness, you know, the kind of uh, shopping, uh, advertisements you see on TV and all. The world has the tendency that, you know, in under five minutes, you have to buy. In under one hour, you have to buy. Under 24 hours, 18 hours. It'll, it just puts pressure. It's the godly wisdom which helps you to make a worthwhile decision. Do I need it? Is it so urgent? So it is godly wisdom. The more we grow in godly wisdom, we'll be able to beat the designs of the world. The designs of the world uh, is such that, that we will start doing a thing immediately, not even knowing the consequences. Many people who get caught or who start doing wrong things, initially they would have never even realized. So, they were just naive. They just fell into the trap. So it is a godly wisdom that will protect us. So the wise people will see through the facade of hypocrisy and they'll be careful. They will not trust. Just because somebody says, I'll give you this free, they won't trust. And they do not take liars at face value. You know, it is all the more important in the present day circumstances because we are only seeing a culture of self-promotion. Religious leaders, they project themselves. We get to hear only fake news. We get to hear almost an alternative narrative, which is far from the reality. That's what we are seeing nowadays. And there is no reason and sometimes we don't even think because when you keep hearing something repeatedly, unknowingly, if we don't have that sense of discernment, we will um, accept it as true. And that is dangerous. And that is why inside and outside is very important uh, for us. At least our hearts should be careful. Uh, let me ask you this question. 
recall a time when you seriously misread someone's character and intentions, perhaps because of attractive superficialities. Anyone has experiences like that, you have been deceived, you have been cheated. You can unmute yourself and you can speak that you have been just, you feel now, oh my goodness, how did I do this? Yeah, if, if you have not been cheated, at least I was cheated at the, you know, in a reservation counter. I, when I went to do bus reservation in Bangalore, somebody came and he said, I came from so-and-so place, I lost my money. I want to go back, give me this money. I will send it back to you. And I gave, and he again came and he asked for extra, that also I gave. Then I realized he took my address, everything. I did my um, reservation. At that time itself, I realized I have been deceived. I just, I just didn't take time to just, I thought he was seriously in trouble. So I, he wanted to go back home. I thought I'll help him, but uh, I realized that I was deceived. So the lesson I have learned is to be careful. Um, will I be, um, how likely are you to make the same mistake again? I don't know. I don't know, but um, I'll be a little careful. I'll be a little careful uh, before doing that. Uh, so you know, his talk was so sweet. Uh, he just, he presented his case so beautifully, so beautifully. And uh, I just fell, I just fell into the trap. So I'm sure <clears throat> it is one such case. Um, it's, it's okay with, I think it was a 2000 or 3000 rupees at that time. Uh, it's okay. It was, it's money, but when it comes to relationships and all, it has got a, uh, very serious consequences. So that's why I'm saying that we have to be careful. Uh, wisdom is not that we become gullible. We are followers of Christ doesn't mean that we just believe everyone. Uh, it, it again, it doesn't mean we have to suspect everybody. So both the extremes we have to avoid. We should not become gullible. At the same time, we should not uh, distrust everybody. There, there may be genuine people, genuine people. But at that, at that particular case, in that particular case, I felt that uh, he, he was not genuine. I was just deceived. And uh, that's a different story. So in your life also, something like this must have happened. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you start suspecting now everybody or you become so withdrawn. You don't even want to listen to somebody's advice. Uh, so uh, wisdom is all about avoiding extremes, uh, trying to maintain uh, a healthy uh, balance. Uh, remember, whoever hates righteousness, whoever doesn't have the fear of God, he will use all means 
to destroy the wise, good people. Uh, they somehow they spot out, they spot the people and they try to deceive them. So this is a battle between righteousness and wickedness that's there in the world. Uh, and our culture pays more attention to image and beauty. What we learn is uh, we should be careful. We should not evaluate somebody based on their appearance because there is more attention being paid to external appearance and we should be careful. So we should not be swayed by appearances. They may appear to be very honest, uh, very sincere, but we should not be swayed by, uh, or they may appear to be very decent looking people. And uh, we should be careful. So that's why we should not favor people based on their appearances. The normal human tendency is, oh, he looks good. Oh, he appears to be a decent guy. But we should not favor people based on their appearances. The Bible says the most beautiful soul in the history was not beautiful to look at. He grew up, Isaiah 53 2 says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So the lesson we learn is, uh, it is not only we try to guard ourselves, we have to, uh, from others, we have to guard our own selves from our own hearts. So how do we guard ourselves? We should not do things to impress others. You know, there is a general tendency uh, to seek approval from others. So if you have grown up in such an atmosphere, this is known as, as an idol because your identity comes not by, from, by what God is telling about you, but what others. So it is the approval. You, we do things so that others will approve us. And it's a very unhealthy way of bringing up children. So when they grow up like this, when, when children, uh, they grow in an environment like this, when they become adults, they constantly, they need approval. If somebody criticizes them, gone. They're gone, they're flat. Because they just can't take it. Criticism is something they can't take it because they're used to approval. And they have to be constantly, they have to be approved, applauded, and this becomes an idol. It doesn't matter what God says about me, it doesn't matter, but I'm more concerned about what people say about me. You see, in some of the cultures, this is how, what will others say about you? What will the neighbor say about you? So when it becomes 
uh, unhealthy or when it becomes too pronounced, uh, that's not a good thing. So we have to uh, guard this tendency. Uh, to live on the approval of others is not healthy. What they will feel. If you are living for others' feelings, we will never be able to stand for our convictions. If you're in a group, say you're in a group of three to four people, four people are in your group. And if you're more concerned about their feelings, there is every possibility that you will go their way, knowing fully well what they're saying is wrong, but you don't have the courage to take a stand because you feel what they will feel. That is why it is important we understand this. Uh, we guard ourselves because if you want to live for, if you want to be a person of convictions, uh, you cannot keep pleasing people because their value system is different from your value system. So I'm not saying at every time you don't have to listen to them, but where there is a conflict of value system, there we have to take a stand. And this we'll be able to take a stand only if you are very clear, you know, uh, I can't help it. If that's how they feel, I cannot go with them because my values are different from their values. So it is very important inside and outside. The last point that we will see here is deep waters. You know, this is the last point. Proverbs 25 says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. You know, if you want to hide something, a good way is to throw it into deep waters. Just throw it into the deep waters, then it's very difficult to find out that. Uh, in the same way, what the wise man says is, our motives are like that. Our motives are actually not visible. Many things that we do, the motives seem to be out of sight. They are hidden deep down inside uh, the heart. So that's what the, the wise man says, those who have insight, the wise person will be able to discern the motives of other people. He's a wise person. Uh, he'll be able to draw the motives of other people. I'm not good at that. So I'm not a wise person. Uh, but I, I know, um, I know uh, some of the people I've come across, they have this, this uncanny ability of just, you know, finding out, you know, telling that, you know, this person is not reliable. They have that. And they're right. That's an amazing insight. Uh, so that intuitive power is something, it's God's gift. It's God's gift. 
uh, and the wise person is the one who has that. Uh, the wise people are able to discern motives. They're able to discern their own motives as well as the motives of others. So we have to begin with our own hearts. We should start trying to uh, find out the motives. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? So we have to discern our motives and uh, then we'll be able to discern the motives or others also. Uh, while we might think that we are always truthful, you know, we don't want to deceive others, uh, but we have to examine our intentions because they are hidden. They are hidden. Our intentions are hidden. Uh, that's why the word of God is very important because the word of God challenges our intentions and it is only the word of God helps us to really uh, find out our own intentions. So the more we internalize the word of God, uh, we'll be able to find our own motives. Uh, that's why I said, when we are doing all this, we must remember it is possible to become overly suspicious or distrustful or unloving. We should be careful. We sh you know, wisdom is not going to either of the extremes. It is maintaining a middle path. That is wisdom. We should not distrust everybody. At the same time, we should not trust everybody. There is a middle path and we have to follow the middle path. And that is where the wisdom lies. So basically this wisdom is a gift from God. It is not a technique. It is not that I can just uh, do this and this and I develop. It's a gift from God. Uh, but we should be aware. We should be aware. The least we can do is we can say a word of prayer when we don't know what to do, when we don't know whether to trust or distrust. Instead of coming to our own conclusions, we can say a word of prayer and God will definitely guide us. God will show us. And that's how we develop this uh, insight. So the one thing we should do is prayer. Just, you know, at the spur of the moment, just praying to God. When we face a situation, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. And God will help us. Uh, you know, the heart of the ordinary person is conniving. It is not, it's only a redeemed heart. Otherwise, the heart of the person, normal person, is not as pure as we think. Because Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So most of the time, our motives are based on our own selfish interest. Um, that, is, that is the problem. So because it is our own selfish interest, we keep it a secret. We try to conceal it carefully and 
we try to mislead others as though we are concerned about them. That's the way the heart functions. And that is the condition of human heart. Uh, it's basically understanding our motives. So we have completed this, the first portion that we are studying that is understanding the heart. Uh, we have studied uh, 10 points under this understanding the heart. First thing is actions shape the heart. I, I hope you all remember the picture. The second one, actions open the eyes, how the righteous people, their path becomes brighter and how the wicked people, their path becomes darker because their eyes are deceitful and they deceive themselves. Uh, so the third one, we saw that the heart shapes the actions. And the fourth one, God and the heart. And the fifth one is no one's heart is pure. And uh, the sixth one is confession. The seventh one is discerning heart. The eighth one is introvert and extrovert. And the ninth one is inside and outside. The 10 is deep waters. Uh, today I was reading the book of Hosea, and there we find you know, there's a verse which says that your deeds do not bring you closer to God. Your deeds do not bring you closer to God. So immediately this one came to my mind, actions shape the heart. You know, they do sacrifice, they do all those things, but they, they are unable to get closer to God because their deeds are not righteous. So if their deeds are good, uh, it will draw them closer to God. So as you read the Old Testament story, as you remember your own life, as you encounter your daily um, struggles as you meet people, uh, you can have all this in your mind and just, just try to evaluate. Actions shape the heart. Actions open the eyes. The heart shapes the actions, God and the heart. No one's heart is pure. And the confession the discerning heart, introvert and extrovert, inside and outside, deep waters. Now, what we have studied till now is the, the condition of the heart, condition of the human heart. This is what we have studied. Now, how do we apply this? All that we have studied is just to tell us what is the condition of the human heart? This is the condition of the human heart. Now, this doesn't help us, just knowing the condition. Now, we need to work on our heart condition. And how do we do that? That's what we are going to do in the next part. Uh, what we are going to do now is reordering desires. reordering desires. Now, the first, under this, the first thing we'll see is trapped by desires. You know, our hearts are filled with desires. That's the reason Buddhism says, 
desire and attachment are the causes of unsatisfaction, unsatisfactoriness and suffering. In other words, they say desire is the root cause of all evil. That's the way Buddhism uh, proclaims. Uh, but we don't say all desire is wrong. Uh, desire is having a strong wish for something. We want this. If I don't have this, then this is, you know, I have lost the meaning of my life. That is desire. But our hearts are trapped by desires. Uh, we should be aware about it. So what do we do uh, when our hearts are trapped by desires? Desires are not sinful. That's why the psalmist says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, people generally believe that whatever I desire, uh, God will give me. But that's not what this verse says. Take delight in the Lord. In other words, let God be your supreme desire. Let God be your supreme desire. You know, when God becomes our supreme desire, we will ask only one thing, Lord, I want you. You should increase, I should decrease. And the Bible says God will grant that. When God becomes our supreme desire, God will give us the desires of our heart. The problem, uh, why we should be careful about our desire is, what we desire becomes our object of worship. Uh, our job could become an idol, our spouse could become an idol, our children could become an idol, money could become an idol, uh, our understanding of our idol has to, idolatry has to change uh, the way we uh, visualize idolatry. Anything that takes the place of God is, is an idol. So whatever we desire more, I need to have this then that becomes an idol. So we have to guard our heart against idolatry. It is not that only when we have a statue or an image, uh, then we have uh, idols. No, not, not that. As, as children of God, anything which takes the place of God is an idol, whether it is money, position, designation, our own comfort, power, all this can become an idol. The only way that we can avoid idol is to desire God supremely. He should be the desire of our heart. Oh Lord, I want you. I, want, I stand in awe of you. You are the most precious person in this world. Take away everything from me, Lord, but not you. So, Till such time, our heart will be trapped by desire. You know, that's, uh, this is something you need to understand in an Indian culture. Um, Indian culture, you have something known as Hinotism, uh, Ishta Devada. Uh, Ishta Devada is the worship of a single God uh, while not denying the existence of several deities. 
but what is interesting is you have a choice to choose your God. And there are several, um, there are several opportunities. Uh, you can choose a God of your choice. Now, if I like education, I can choose a God of education. It is not actually, you know, um, I worship God. It is actually I'm nurturing my desire. There is no demand from God. I'm just nurturing my desire. And it helps me when I have a God, you know, when I'm, my mind is focused only on education, I have to achieve, I have to get these degrees, I have this God, it is basically I'm nurturing my own desire. And if, I'm, if I love money, I can choose a God of money, God of wealth. And my entire focus is only becoming rich and richer. And I can keep telling, this is my God who is blessing me. So God doesn't make any demand. If this is the object of your worship, this object of your worship doesn't make any demand on you. Uh, but I hope you and we understand that we worship a God who, who demands ourselves complete, ourself. Uh, he wants us completely for him because he came and rescued us. He lifted us, lifted us up from the miry clay. And now he says, now I have rescued you. Now you be my slaves. And it's a privilege to be a slave of God because if you're not slave of God, you will be slave of something else. The heart has to serve something. If it is not God, if it is some other idol. So that is why we are all trapped by desire and our desire for God should be so strong. Uh, if we desire the desire to desire God above all else, then he can change our heart to desire him more than life itself. We have that little desire for God. And if we desire that desire to desire God above all else, not above my job, above my spouse, about my, about my health, ministry, about everything else I desire you, then God will change our heart to desire him more than life itself. Because the heart is the seat of our deepest trust, commitments, and love from which everything flows. We have already studied about the anthropology, human anthropology. We have studied about heart, how in the Old Testament, how they understood heart. So heart is the control center. So the desire is very important. What do we desire? If this is taken out from my life, I lose everything. What is that? If I lose this, that's it. I've lost everything in my life. I have no purpose. Now so we can just evaluate our own heart condition. 
that's what we have studied. The heart shapes the actions. If the heart desires, uh, you know, the heart shapes the actions. You know, since morning, what all actions did we do that has drawn us a little closer to God? I'm not saying that 24 hours we sit with the Bible, but the kind of programs we watched, how many times we were on our mobile, what kind of work we were doing. So the heart shapes the actions. So if the heart desire is for God, we will find time to pray. We will find time to read the Bible. It's because the heart shapes the actions. And our actions also shapes the heart in both ways. Uh, what the heart loves, heart most loves and trusts, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions finds desirable, and the will finds doable. I have already explained it to you, what we see, what we hear, and the desire in the heart says, oh, you must have it, and the mind justifies it, yes, sir. There's nothing wrong, you should have it. And the will says, yes, come, come on, let's do this. So we, that's the way we take care of the heart. So what can influence our hearts? What can influence our hearts? We, we have seen this Proverbs earlier, Proverbs 4, 23 to 26. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Basically, the heart is influenced by the mouth, the eyes, the feet. In other words, all the bodily functions are attributed to heart and the, all the bodily functions also influence our heart. So we have to be careful. Uh, heart is the control center. The kind of words we speak, the kind of words we hear, and the kind of things we see, the kind of places where we go, it all influences our hearts. And that's where the desire also. We saw in the case of uh, Aiken, that he just looked at an object. He was he knew in the book of Joshua, we saw that he was not supposed to take uh, anything from the enemy camp, but he just gazed at that object for a long time and he just kept it to himself. And we know what happened in the battle of Ai, they lost and how he was to be punished. After that only they won the victory. We have already seen that. And same way, if we speak bitterly against someone, slowly we'll become bitter in our hearts. We have to be careful. Uh, we may have valid reasons, but if we start speaking like this, it becomes difficult for us to maintain a healthy relationship. What we speak, it influences our hearts. So if we start gossiping, if you start speaking bitterly about others, 
very soon we'll not be able to maintain a healthy relationship. The best way is to pray for uh, people with whom we don't get along well. And when we pray for their welfare, for their blessings, slowly our heart will change. And uh, that's important for us. So how we can guard our hearts? We, again, we have seen that we can only guard our hearts with our worship. Because in worship, we use our mouth, we use our mind, we use our imagination, we use our body, we lift our hands, we move our body, and everything is oriented towards God. And as we worship God, the more we worship God, our hearts are guarded well. Now, <clears throat> today's society, uh, especially in the corporate culture and all, uh, you know, they say that what you feel you have to express. You're an important person. What you feel you must express. If this is what you desire, you must go ahead and have it. What's wrong with that? You know, that's the kind of environment in which um, we are exposed to. But once you realize we are trapped by our desires, once you realize all our hearts, we are trapped by our desires, so that helps us. So the wisdom recognizes that our desires can trap us. So it is not that all that I want I have to do it because all that I want is not good. They're not beneficial. That's the reason Paul said, you know, everything is a lot, but everything is not beneficial to me. So it's not that everything is allowed, I have to do it. It's not that everything I desire, I have to do it. Everything I desire, I should get it. No, that's not a healthy desire. So our hearts are trapped by desires and we should be careful. Our strongest feelings may not always be right. Uh, sometimes people say, what do you feel about it? Uh, Feelings, I'm not saying that we should overrule our feelings, but we should be careful because once we realize that our hearts are trapped by desires, our feelings can also misguide us. We cannot base our decision solely based on our feelings. I felt like this. No, that's not an excuse. I felt like this. So we have to be careful. That's why Proverbs uh, 10, 24 says, what the wicked dread will overtake them, what the righteous desire will be granted. Uh, what the wicked dread, they just dread the face of God. They just don't want light in their lives. They just don't want to see the face of God. So what the righteous desire, they desire God. They want to see the face of God. And the, and the wise man says it will be granted. When our heart's desire is to see God, uh, God will grant that. You will seek him and you will find him. You seek him with all your heart and you will be able to find him. So when the heart desires God more and more, God will grant that desire. Uh, that should be our desire. We should not get into the default mode. The heart desires several things. 
but we should cultivate this one primary desire, primary desire of seeking God. Proverbs uh, 11, 6 says, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. They're trapped by evil desires. They don't even know they're trapped. We only think that, you know, when people are bound by evil uh, forces, then we think they're in bondage. Uh, but many of the people who are decently clothed, educated, they are trapped by evil desires. So we have to guard our hearts. As children of God, our desire should be for God, and that alone will keep our hearts in the right place. Uh, you know, what happens? If you see in the present day world, Modern consumer capitalism creates the desire to accumulate material goods that we give will give us status and identity. You read the um, minor prophets in the Old Testament and you read today's commentary as to what's happening. Uh, in our own country, the rich people are becoming richer. The poor are becoming poorer. And it's not the richer become richer and they want to give money to the poor people, not at all. They may give one crore here, one crore there, that's it. But they won't give a significant amount of their money towards helping the poor people. There are poor people who, have, who don't have food. So basically what they're pandering to their own desires, they're still not satisfied. They want more and more. Uh, that is why parenting is very important. So poor parenting can train children to desire approval and love that they remain in abusive relationships or become workaholics. You know, when work becomes our identity, I'm not, we should work hard. I've always um, emphasized on that. As children of God, we should be sincere, we should be hardworking, but we should not make work as our God. In and through our work, we worship God, but work is not God. It is not the work that feeds us, it is God who feeds us. We should come to that place. And poor parenting, because you approach your child only when the child gets first rank. So what are we doing? We are developing a performance-oriented child. What happens you know, in work if you, are, you have to get your promotion? Out of turn, you have to get promotion. This is, this is not a healthy way of bringing up children. And that's all the more in an Indian context because our very identity is based on our, you know, he's a so-and-so. He's working with so-and-so place. His designation is so-and-so. But once gospel enters our life, it should impact all areas of our lives. Gospel should transform our inner being and only when gospel is trans, only when gospel transforms our inner being, 
we will be able to transform the culture outside. We work not because we will be promoted or we'll be demoted or we don't even work for money. Uh, once in, uh, while I was working, somebody, one of the, my senior told me that I've given you a very good, we call it annual confidential report. He said, I've given you a very good annual confidential report. I said, sir, if you're given even a lower confidential report, I'll still continue to work like this. I wanted to tell him that I'm not working because you'll give good, I'm, I'm grateful you gave, but that's what I said. So we, we have to come to that place where we don't make job as our idol. Um, so wise people basically, they do not simply accept their desires as they are. Because I desire it, I don't accept it. Uh, nor with hasty feet, they run to fulfill them. You know, because in Proverbs 19.2, it says, desire without knowledge is not good, but how much more will hasty feet miss the way? Then what should we do? If our heart is like this, then we should just reorder the desires with the knowledge of the truth. What, what is our primary desire? The problem of the workaholic is not that he, we love work too much, but that we love God too little relative to our career. When, our, when we love God, when love for God becomes supreme, everything else will fall in its right place. We, we know how to deal with our job. We know how to love our spouse, love our children. Everything will fall at the right place provided we love God, love of God becomes supreme in our lives. Uh, Psalm 17, 15 says, as for me, I'll be vindicated and will see your face. His only desire is to see your face. When I awake, I'll be satisfied with seeing your likeness. I'll just give you... Um, two or three Bible verses, John 3, 2, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, in fact, it is reflect the Lord's glory or being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, what love or desires do you have that push God out of the top spot? <clears throat> May not be all the time, but from time to time, there are moments we desire something else more than God. I'm not saying 24-7 we desire something else, but what is something, there are moments when we desire something more than God. So if that is the case, in fact, 
we should be constantly, we should be wary of our heart's condition and we should constantly pray. that Lord, my love for you will increase. Because the more we love God, everything else will fall in its place. If we learn to love God supremely, then we will learn to love our job also, love our spouse also, love our children also. There'll be a balance. It'll be very healthy. And we can only cry out to God and say, Lord, come and reign over my heart. And that should be our prayer. Okay, uh, I have finished. Uh, we'll continue with this, uh, reordering our desires. Today we saw that we are trapped by desire. So how do we reorder this desire? Any questions? Asking you spoke about wisdom while dealing with people. Uh, how do we balance that with uh, forgiveness, Pastor? Like, uh, some, somebody might be taking advantage of me in terms of maybe financially and not repaying me back. So, uh, can I not give him if I truly forgive him still? Like, it's a. Uh, are you talking about a past act or are you talking about a future act? Future, suppose somebody took money from me, uh, did not pay it back. Again, he so takes it's money. A, and, it's, a, it's a past act. Yeah. Again, they, he have taken money from, they have taken money from you and they have not paid it back. Yeah. Okay. Now you are talking about forgiveness. I mean, it's hypothetical, but just ask me. It's hypothetical. You, you know, most of the time you pay money, you give money, uh, not expecting it to be repaid. But then um, you're really giving a huge amount and then you believe that person will give. And if that doesn't, that person doesn't give, uh, you cannot leave, lose your sleep over that money. You have to let go of it. But uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget that. Now, next time he comes and asks for money, it doesn't mean you have to give money. Wisdom is not that you commit that same mistake again. But if you don't forgive, you'll have bitterness. Understood. Okay. Pray that you will not encounter a situation like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can be deceived. We should be careful. We should be careful, you know, uh, we follow God, uh, we should be wise, shrewd. We should not be cunning. We should not be deceitful. That is evil. But uh, if you know that this person is not going to pay back and you don't have that kind of money, there's nothing wrong in saying that I can't give you. Any insights, any thoughts you want to share, others? 
Okay. Uh, if there's nothing, uh, Pastor Prem, can you say closing prayer? Yes. Yes, Pastor. Father, we are so thankful to you that your word, Lord, helps us to shape our character, our nature, and above all, Lord, you're there to help us to desire you, to receive from you a heart that's filled with love for you. For all these studies, learning, let it transform our hearts, Lord, our th Lord, the way we discern things, Lord, the way we keep things, Lord, must in its place and keep you above everything else, Lord, as the primary person of God in our lives. Father, we pray that uh, these uh, studies will not be just, a, Lord, a, an experience of knowing, but an experience of learning that transform our lives, oh God. We thank you once again for this time. Thank you for your word. Even when we study in our private times, Lord, help us not just read and keep it aside, your precious word. Help us to, Lord, to study, to meditate, Lord, to understand, to apply, so that, Lord, we will be people what you want us to be. In your hands, we commit ourselves. We are weak people. We always have, Lord, other things as our major focus most of the times in our lives. Help us, Lord Master, to take steps to change it, Lord, in whichever area we need change, so that through our lives, your name will be glorified. Thank you once again for this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, 